All righty. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. Thank you so much for tuning in this Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Thursday, September 21st, 2023. I am the maestro Jeremy Carp, and we got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about this evening, and we are going to first say congratulations to Adam Wainwright. This is what we're going to kick it off with. Adam Wainwright, Cardinal starting pitcher, has made history, becoming just the third pitcher in Cardinals history to notch 200 career victories. Um, there's a chance he has one more start coming up in the home series finale against the Cincinnati Reds. But other than that, it looks like he probably will be done as far as his career goes. Um Last Monday, Wainwright and the Cardinals defeated the National League Central leading Milwaukee Brewers 1-0 for Wainwright's 200th career win. He allowed four hits and struck out three in seven innings. Definitely one of the mo more better outings he's had as of late. Um, with the victory, like I said, he becomes just the third pitcher in team history um, to win at least 200 games with the Cardinals and just the sixth active pitcher to have 200 victories. As far as the Cardinals go, Bob Gibson and Jesse Haynes are the only other Cardinals pitchers to reach that mark. Um, definitely history at its finest. Um, I will say, you know what's funny? Um, a lot of people feel that well, one interesting thing to note is that Wainwright almost didn't even reach that mark. Um, he woke up with back spasms, and, you know, there was a chance that he wasn't even going to pitch on Monday night. But, of course, you know, this being his last season, the 42-year-old went out there and um, did what he could do. Wainwright told MLB.com, quote, I came in here to the Cardinal training room and got taped up a little bit, like for the 14th time in a row. That's when I found out that our head athletic trainer, Adam Olson, had gone into Ollie's office and said, hey, you might want to think about plan, he plan B here because it is not good at all. Um, but being some, being able to somehow persevere through the way my body felt and the way my arm felt meant a lot to me. Even when I was warming up, this was easily one of the top three toughest warm-ups I've ever had in my career. And for a guy that's pitched as long as he has, uh, excuse me, that is absolutely saying something. But once again, like I say, congratulations to Adam Wainwright. Um... Definitely a Cardinal Hall of Famer. Um, the jury is still out on if he will one day become a baseball Hall of Famer. You know, um, that's definitely a discussion we'll have to have. Um, and Nick, uh, always a loyal listener, and thank you so much for always tuning in. He says, can't thank you enough for the amazing podcast. Thank you for helping me get through tough times. Um, that, that means a lot, doing what we can to help you out. Make your days and or nights just a little bit better. Um, so the Cardinals have made a plethora of injury moves now, and Wilson Contreras is the newest addition, as well as Alec Burleson, um, to the IL, which with only nine games left, yes, will end their season. And you add in Tyler O'Neill, Alec Burleson, the plethora of pitchers, Wilson Contreras. I mean, the Cardinals are limping into these last few games of the season. So our first question, and yes, folks, be sure to send us your questions. Later on, I'll be having the good doctor on, and he'll be doing our week two or his week three power rankings from the NFL. Um, but as I was saying, so next question is thoughts on Walker as a full-time outfielder. I mean, it's something that you're going to have to build into as next year comes along. Um, he's had a pretty good rookie season. 
Um, definitely one of the few bright spots on what's definitely been a depressing team for this entire 2023 campaign. And I mean, you look at the team, they are 67 and 86, whereas the Brewers are 87 and 66. Um, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Um, all you, honestly, all you can do is just look forward to next year at this point. Having Walker as an outfielder will be something to keep an eye on um, as we head into 2024. Um, Jared tuning in, listening, saying the Cardinals are the definition of depression. There's no point watching the rest of the season. I think a lot of people tuned into the rest of the season just for Adam Wainwright's um, 200th career victory. Once that happened, it kind of, you know, skewered, stagnated. So now I don't see a whole lot of people still tuning in. Nick asked if I'll be at any of the Blues practices this weekend. Um, as of now, no, but that is something definitely – um looking forward to in the future i will say that speaking of the st louis blues um congratulations are in order so in the st louis blues 56 year history there's only 23 players that have been named captain of course wearing the c on the jersey um on tuesday of this week Braden Center, Braden Shen became the 24th. Now, some of the greatest players in Blues history and some Hall of Famers and legends in general, such as the Plager Bros, uh, Gary Unger, Brian Suter, or Sutter, Bernie Federico, Brett Hull, Chris Pronger, Al McInnes, and Wayne Gretzky all were named captains in the past for the Blues. Um, and so... Prior to last season's trade deadline, the Blues have been without a captain, which is when Ryan O'Reilly was traded. Um, throughout the offseason, Blues general manager Doug Armstrong had been noncommittal about whether a captain would have been chosen for this season, but all that changed Wednesday when Armstrong set up a meeting with Shen and asked him to be the next captain. Uh, rumors were circulating all over social media that... Uh, um, bear with me one second. I had a quick zone out. Um, getting the opportunity to come being captain. But anyway, he had a meeting with Sen. Rumors were circulating about Robert Thomas also being potentially named as a captain. But as it turns out, Shen is the guy. Now, the good doctor who will be on shortly also is saying that the good we'll have a photographer at a blues event tomorrow night and the game on Saturday. So, yes, I want to give a shout-out to ReviewSTL.com and all the work uh, Jerry McGrath uh, and Brendan Clore and the good Dr. J.M. Housewright all do and everybody else involved um, for the work they do for I-70 Sports Media as well as for ReviewSTL.com. Um, you'll start seeing their photography a lot more prominently in our articles as well as our social media posts. So definitely grateful for all the work that they do. Um, with that, we got one more quick thing I want to point out. So, uh, excuse me. Yesterday was actually my first game in Kansas City. Baseball game, I should say. Well, whenever I go to a Chiefs game, it'll be my first Chiefs game out there. But first game at Kauffman Stadium, first game at the K. And I'll be honest, folks, first off, the Royals won, which was pretty cool to see but second off i gotta say what the hell are the royals thinking moving that stadium or moving to downtown the k is beautiful i like the view i like how there's not really a bad seat in the house i will admit maybe it's partly because it was a wednesday afternoon and they have over 100 losses on the season so sometimes it looked like we were walking through an abandoned place but i digress everybody the staff was friendly Parking was easy, um, which I'm going to be honest, 1,000% Trump's Bush's parking situation because anybody that's in St. Louis knows how much hell parking for a Cardinal game is. Um, nevertheless, 
I will say right now that it was a wonderful experience, and I look forward to more Royals games in the future. That said, go Cardinals. Okay, so, like I said, if anybody, if you have questions, be sure to submit them, just comment, um, and like, subscribe. We are on, um, you know, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Breaker, anywhere you can find a podcast right about sports is there. We are also on YouTube at Interstate 70 Sports Media, on Facebook, on X, Twitter, whatever the hell you want to still call it, if you succumb to Elonism or something. Um, so definitely we're all over the place, very prominent. Thank you so much for everybody tuning in. So now that we're going to shift gears to the NFL, I want to bring the good doctor himself on. Um, and in a little bit, we're going to go through his week three power rankings. Now, as of this broadcast, we're just a few minutes away from the, uh, San Francisco 49ers and New York Giants Thursday night football game. So this will impact his rankings heading into week four, but we'll see what happens. That said, there's also a couple other things we need to talk about beforehand. Um, so here it is, ladies and gentlemen, one of the hardest working men in the business, the one, the only, the good doctor. Howdy. How we doing, buddy? Hey, man. Sorry for my tardiness. Uh, as you know, I'm writing a book and I had an interview tonight uh, after work that lasted two hours, but it was a great interview. Um, some of you guys may know the uh, young man I interviewed named Derek Baker. If you follow uh, TikTok. Uh, Baker Banter is his following. He's got over 3 million followers, and uh, he's going to be a uh, subject of my book. So I needed to sit down with him and, uh, you know, talk to him. So that's why I'm a little bit late tonight. So you've already talked – now, you've talked to me many times, many a time about your book. But for those that are tuning in and have not heard about it, and this or this is their first time hearing about it, what is the book about? So the book is – and I've changed the title three times now, but I think this is the title I'm sticking with. It's going to be called For the Love of the Show, uh, Wrestling Fans Tell Their Stories. So basically, uh, this book's been a love, you know, kind of a uh, passion project of mine for the last two years. And uh, basically, I came up with the idea about five years ago. Um, I traveled to a lot of wrestling shows all over the United States, and I happened to be at WrestleMania 33 and uh, met a friend named Joey from Canada. Uh, it just so happened Joey came up to my buddy who was wearing a Cleveland Browns t-shirt. And the first thing he said to us is, why in the hell are you wearing a Cleveland Browns t-shirt? I've never met a Cleveland Browns fan before. I get that a lot. So I know, <laughs> I know what he's doing. I figured right. you could appreciate that. I um, could definitely appreciate and respect that. So, you know, Joey and us became really good friends. He's traveled here from Canada, stayed with me. I've took him to a Chiefs game. Um, so it got me kind of thinking after meeting him and then meeting a few other friends at AEW shows in Chicago who are from Los Angeles. Uh, I started thinking, you know, there's gotta be other people out there whose lives have been impacted by wrestling. And so I started asking around searching all over the United States and I have found a few people. Uh, one story I'm going to tell is about a gentleman who originally was from St. Louis. Now I believe he lives in Maine. Um, he decided he wanted the entire, the real WWE winged title belt tattooed around his waist. Oh so my it took God. him three and a half years to do, but he actually got a hold of WWE and got the exact specs for the belt. So it is a dead ringer for the real thing. So I talked to him. I got the uh, tattoo artist from here in Missouri who um, came up with the artistic concept for Bray Wyatt's The Fiend Mask, which due to the unfortunate passing of Bray, uh, really became a very intriguing story. Um, very heartfelt. I have some text message chains I'm going to put in the book between uh, Kyle, the artist, and uh, Wyndham uh, that they shared back and forth the night the mask was actually revealed on television for the first time. Um, and then I've also talked to a, a gentleman who referees for uh, GCW, and he met his wife through wrestling, and they were actually married in a wrestling ring. 
So I tell their story and I'm, of course, going to tell Derek's story. And then I'm also going to be interviewing a young girl named Izzy from Florida who used to call into and I think she still does. She called into a show I used to listen to called Busted Open when she was like 12, 13, said she wanted to be a pro wrestler. Fast forward with the help of Bailey and, and the encouragement of some WWE superstars. She's now 16. She's going to be wrestling in her, I think, third professional match coming up. So I'm going to tell her story. So essentially it's going to be, and I've, I've even told wrestlers, I talked to Colt Cabana today about it. Um, they're, they're kind of really in awe of, of this book. They said, you know, we've, we've talked to, we've heard wrestlers stories. We know why wrestlers get into wrestling. Right. We've never heard from the fans. So this is a story. This is going to be a book, not only by a fan myself. I've been a fan since I was five years old. I'm going to tell my story as well, but I'm going to tell the stories of, just what what wrestling has meant and how it's changed the lives of some people. And, you know, if anyone's listening or watching and you have a story to tell about wrestling that's changed your life for the better, please reach out to me. Uh, I would love to include you in the book. I'm probably 75% of the way done. Um, like I said, it's been about a two-year project. Last year I really wanted to focus on it more, and I just haven't had the, the chance to do it. Uh, but this year, I'm really gung-ho about it. I'm hoping to have it done at uh, Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping to hit up some indie uh, wrestling promotions around here and, and have the book for sale when they have their shows. That's my goal. Um, so that that's kind of what, what I've been up to with that. So it's a very, like I said, it's a very special project to me. Um, not only am I telling these individual stories, but I, I go into my my background, how I became a wrestling fan and how uh, my career has enabled me, you know, to talk to so many of the people that we watch on TV every week and get to spend time with them and be up close front and center with them when I when I go to WrestleManias and SummerSlams and cover these shows. So I'm, I'm telling my story as well. Uh, but, you know, my story doesn't compare to Derek's story. You know, a young man who's 26 years old with Down syndrome, who his, his life is totally different now that he's got a TikTok following of 3 million people and it's legit, man. I was with him. I wasn't with him, but I ran into him uh, in Detroit. He was at SummerSlam, WWE and cricket, bring him out to a lot of these shows. There was a line of people 50 deep waiting to meet him. I mean, it's amazing wow. the effect that pro wrestling has had on this, this young guy and his family. Um, you know, it, it could probably be a book by itself, but uh, so yeah, we did a two-hour interview tonight after uh, I got out of school, and uh, I'm going to start working on that chapter. And then, like I said, I got Izzy next week, and then uh, I should be able to put it to bed and get it to an editor and start the publishing process. Okay. Well, I, I know I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm sure it'll be pretty easy to get it uh, sold at a lot of places. Um, it's interesting you brought up wrestling. So before we do get into the whole – uh, power rankings for the NFL. There is a this has been a busy day for wrestling. Yeah. It really has. Um, and so the first piece of news I think that I, I we definitely need to discuss. It's um, in an agreement. WWE has reached a new agreement with NBC Universal. Um, it's a five year agreement, and starting in October of 2024. Friday Night SmackDown will be leaving Fox and going to the USA Network, which it's been on before. Um, but since 2019, it's been broadcasted on Fox. Now, on top of all this, um, an added element to this new partnership is WWE's commitment to create four annual primetime specials that will be aired on NBC. Um, Jan, what are your thoughts on all that? You, you you failed to mention also, and, and a lot of people didn't catch this, um, Raw will be moving after this transition happens. Raw will no longer be on USA. Um, they're, they're currently shopping it. Um, front runners right now are Amazon and Disney. Um, I don't know how that's going to turn out, but so we're not done yet, folks. Hold, hold on to your seats because Raw will, yes, Jared, Raw will be moving. I just was tipped off today that Raw and NXT will be leaving USA, uh, maybe not October 24, but it will be, they will be leaving. He says, he says, good, Fox is garbage. Fox, you know what? In regard, in regard against, for SmackDown. You know what? I was against the Fox, well, 
I was for the Fox move on one hand because my sources are not bad, sir. Trust me. <laughs> you can ask the maestro who tipped you off about the releases last week and new names already. Me, because I was tipped off it's by an true. inside source. Okay? I typically do trust uh while jm and i don't always agree on certain things when it comes to this type of news and stuff i do trust him it's it's gonna happen it makes sense listen wwe wants to spread their content around as much as possible get ready for them to lose hulu too it's gonna happen now that i do uh i do know and he yeah. says the source is bad as my nfl takes well we'll see how that goes but no <laughs> it's funny because yeah hulu even mentioned that yeah. their contracts with uh, WWE is about to expire because a lot of their episodes are starting to be taken off. And, you know, when, when it comes to Fox, I was originally in favor of the move for one that it gets new eyes on the product. Um, it, it, it got them individuals that may not have cable. It got their eyes on the product. And, and Fox is a big, it's a big, big station. So, listen, they got the, they could really pump it out. The problem was you'd get nights where there's games and they'd move to FS1. And a lot of people don't have FS1 or, you know, their cable suppliers don't have it or whatever. Um, that was a problem. And I just think it really, Fox was very adamant about the stars they wanted on the program. Um, and the WWE really had to tone things down. When I think, you know, like take, for instance, The Rock coming back last week, that whole segment was kind of it wasn't ruined, but it was tampered with because they had to edit the crowd out. And that that really took away from watching that segment. It really did. Um, so, you know, in a way, I'm happy they're leaving Fox. Um, listen, WWE and USA have been together since I was five years old when it was WWF and it was Monday Night Wrestling with Bobby the Brain and Gorilla Monsoon. Um so that's going to be a welcome addition come 2024 in October. Um, my whole thing is I wonder where Raw will go. Um, it's going to be interesting. Now, here's something, um, and then I'm going to put Jared's comment on there. But um, so shortly after the revelation, um, apparently the company, you know, these well, first let me name some of the cuts of talent that were named because I've, there's reports that there's a lot of frustration backstage with the WWE. Um, but here's some of the talent that was released just today. Uh, Riddick Moss, um, Hit Rose Top Dalla, Elias, Mustafa Ali, Emma, Rick Boogs, Shelton Benjamin, Dolph Ziggler, and Aliyah. And apparently there's going to be more NXT layoffs. But what happened is a lot of people are upset because, look, this happened on the same day a lucrative deal with NBC was announced. And so what do they do? They release talent. And this is, these are talents that, look, either you're seasoned vets like Ziggler or Shelton Benjamin. But then you look at ones. How many of the wrestlers on there truly had a chance to shine in WWE? That You will not miss any of these wrestlers on television. The WWE yeah. universe will miss none of the, and no disrespect to Dolph, no disrespect to my boy Top Dalla, who I know uh, I like the guy. Um, it's time for all them to move on, you know, um, and they'll all be fine. You know, a, a talent like Dolph Ziggler, he's probably already got something working with AEW. Well, he's been trying to leave for how long now? Like, yeah. I mean, he was buying his time by doing comedy shows when WWE would be in different cities um, just to make some money because he was never on the card. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I honestly think there's going to be more coming. Um, there's a few other names on there. I think Matt Riddle needs to go. Um, I'm surprised they haven't announced him yet. He was the I told you last week I thought Matt Riddle was going. I was told Matt Riddle was yeah. going. I'll just be honest. I was told Matt Riddle is done. Um, I don't know. I, I liked Matt Riddle. I think he got a raw deal in UFC, but he is running with the wrong crowd. Um, he can't stay away from the drugs. And listen, he's nothing but a distraction to that company. He needs to go. And hopefully this will be a wake-up call to him because – 
I think they need to let him go. He, he's doing nothing on the program. He brings nothing to the program anymore. Um, you really saw how weak of a character he was when Randy Orton left. I was about to say, Orton's injury really derailed so much. They were such a great team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, they they must be holding out. Maybe they do. Like maybe they do hold. They still feel there's potential in him. I don't know what. So, but something is keeping him in that company because mm-hmm. this is my opinion. There's a lot of wrestlers to where if the situations that have come up with Matt Riddle happened to them, they would have been gone already. Yes, absolutely. Something is something is keeping Matt Riddle with the WWE. And I mean, he's extremely talented. The crowd loves him. I mean, I do feel that I agree with Jared that I think it's because they still see potential in a backstage. I think he could be the piece to Orton coming back. Um, listen, Randy Orton's at his best when he's a heel. Okay. Randy Orton's not a natural face. I don't buy Randy Orton as a face. I love Randy Orton as a heel. Randy Orton's one of the top five heels ever in WWE. Ever. I'll go back to WWWF. Randy Orton is a top five heel ever. His ring psychology is better than any wrestler's ring psychology in the business today. You're going to bring Randy Orton back, which he's at the Performance Center. He's working out. He's getting ready. What do you want to do? Bring him back. Have him take out Matt Riddle. Set up a feud with him and Riddle. Let him dispose of Riddle. Then I say you give Riddle his walking papers. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks for your service. We don't want your you know, aggravating ass around here no more. And that's what they need to do. He needs to be knocked down a peg. Um, the things I've read about him and heard accounts of him doing with other women, he should have been gone two or three years ago. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's issues about him with GHB slipping it to women and we're not even going to get into it, but there's enough, there was enough evidence three years ago. He should have been out the door. Um, I don't know who he has on his side. I can't, you know, the only thing I can think is Triple H has a soft spot for guys like him. Triple H kept Shawn Michaels up and running for years in the WWF when he was going through his dark times. Maybe he sees that in Matt Riddle and feels like he can save him. Um, I don't know. But if you're going to bring back Randy Orton, you got to have him take out Matt Riddle and fully insert himself as that dominant heel in WWE. If if he's coming back for a run, he may not be. He may be coming back because I've originally heard he was going to come back for a one-off. They were going to serve him up to Cody, have Cody beat him. That way, you know, Cody beats all his former foes before he wins the title back. Who knows what they're going to do. But uh, Matt Riddle's one I think needs to be gone as a lesson for him and a lesson for these younger wrestlers that, you know, you need to keep your nose clean and, you know, stop with the with the stupid crap that he's been doing. How much do you think um, this whole merger with, or I guess the whole Endeavor deal affects Matt Riddle staying with WWE? So that's that's another thing. You know, UFC fired Matt Riddle years ago. And pretty much it's the same leadership at UFC that fired him. Um, I don't know. Who... who who knows what Endeavor's thinking, um, what what the exact relationship is. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see, but I've thought about that too. I'm like, I wonder what what that has to do with Riddle. Um, because for by all accounts, he was supposed to be on TV Monday and uh, wasn't there. So I don't know. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, um, we'll definitely... And this is another thing I want to throw out there. And, you know, you said that wrestlers that were released today and that will probably be released tomorrow, um, you know, they all of them are subject to the standard 90-day no non-complete, non-compete clause. Right. So they still got three months before they can compete with anyone else or sign anywhere else or do whatever. Um, and I... And then there's one more big piece of wrestling news. And, of course, once again, it involves WWE. And it's the Axios revealing the SEC documents suggesting 
the possible departure of Vince McMahon from WWE. Um, and a fresh SEC filing, for those that don't know, has unveiled that Vince's possible intention to distance himself from the company his family's been in since the beginning, following the merger with Endeavor. Um, there is currently an ongoing federal investigation into Vince McMahon, um, initiated by a subpoena from a grand jury on the 17th of July. Now, as of now, Vince McMahon faces no formal charges regarding accusations of misconduct and infidelity, which go back to 2006. Um, now, a lot of people feel that there's legal repercussions that could come up that could force him to leave WWE. Jam, what's the latest you've heard, latest you're thinking that you know anything on this? I'll tell you the word right now on Vince McMahon is pretty quiet. Um, I will tell you the talent is not happy. That, And I wouldn't say he's around necessarily, but the fact that he's got his hands back on the product, you can definitely see that in on the television screen when you watch. There's a lot of Vince McMahon storylines i think you're you're seeing some guys that are mcmahon guys that you know i really don't think we need to be seen um i will tell you this triple h went on record as saying that if shane comes back he will walk out so as long as shane stays away we will have triple h um i know a lot of the talent was very upset that stephanie is not around uh, Stephanie was a big advocate for the talent, and she really kept that locker room upbeat and positive. It is very down right now. There are a lot of wrestlers upset that their friends are gone, that um, their jobs may be in jeopardy, um, that the office people are gone. They let go 50. I was going to say, let's not even, we haven't even mentioned those that are in the office that have. Corporate that 50, have been, you know, I mean. Those are 50 people who, what are they going to do for a job now? It ain't like they were making hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars like some of these, you know, wrestlers. And, you know, they can't go on the indie scene and rake in the money like some of these wrestlers will be able to. No, um, you're you're not an, if you're an accountant, you can't just jump to a different promotion and all of a know, sudden, you know. Some of these guys had 20 plus years service with that company and then they're told to stay home on a Friday and their job's gone. I mean... Um, that's the thing about the WWE. They're very cutthroat. Um, that, that, that bothered me the most. I, I don't like seeing the, cause I know some of the inner, you know, people behind the scenes that handle the talent that handle promotions. I deal with them. And, you know, one of them left back when, you know, all this news about Vince first hit last year, uh, the, the PR guy, Adam, he'd been there for 25 years. He left. Um, now he's over in AEW. Hopefully they use him correctly because, listen, AEW's PR sucks. Hands down, they are horrible to work with. Um, and I'll, I'll come out bluntly and say it. I, I don't like working with AEW. They don't know how to work with the media. Um, they, they need – hopefully Adam can come on and, and, and get things going in the right direction because that's a company that needs a PR boost because right now they're, they're in the crapper. Uh, yeah, we've had, I know, um, we've tried having um, talks with AEW in the past, and it has not paid off well the way it would, even with WWE, you know, or the NWA or many other promotions. And, you know, it's all about, with most of them, it's all about building relationships. Um, I've been working, you know, with the WWE media for seven years now. And it was a tough, tough rope to walk starting out. They're a very tough company to, uh, you know, get with uh, as far as, you know, media needing access to wrestlers and photography and covering events. They've gotten a lot better. They're very trustworthy of me now. Um, AEW though, man, they, they're, they're really difficult to work with, and there's no reason why, because they need the publicity more than anybody right now. I mean, um, 
if you ask me, they remind me a lot of WCW when they were starting to go down. Um, it's just not a great product right now. And I think, you know, you, you have your select group of AEW loyalists who think WWE is the devil and they'll tell me I'm full of shit for saying it, but AEW is a crap product right now. There's not much positive you can say about it. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, you got some good talent over there, but without good writers, without good storylines, all you get is spot fest wrestling like the Young Bucks. And I'm sorry, but I can go watch spot fest wrestling over at South Broadway if I want to, or go to a Glory Pro show and watch spot fest wrestling. Um, tell me a story, get me intrigued. AEW doesn't do that. Um, and I'm not, and I am a WWE guy. I confess that, but I also love other promotions. I like to watch impact. I like to watch ring of honor sometimes, you know, um, I like to watch NXT. Uh, you know, I like, I like to watch, uh, you know, all, all of them, uh, GCW I'll even watch, but man, AEW has been so bad right now. It's just boring. Um, they need some help. Um, you know, maybe you get a Dolph Ziggler to go over there eventually and then make some waves. I, I don't, I don't know. know what you this is the problem to me with the whole every time a wrestler and yes it is every single time a wrestler from any promotion whether it's impact whether it's wwe any promotion oh he's gonna jump ship to aew first off it's not jumping ship it's getting out of a ship and going into a tugboat let's get the job <laughs> you know? like yeah i mean aew I this is the thing, you know. Normally we record the show on Wednesday night, so I don't see as much dynamite as I used to. Yeah, you know, it's got its good moments, but there is a lot of it that does seem very WCW esque. Yeah, there's just something about it, and I and I wish I could truly put my finger on it and say what it is, but I feel like if you, like if you are somebody that's watched. WCW in the past when they were competing with WWE, yeah, you can sense it. Like you just know. Um, and I feel that WWE, I will say this much. First off, they're doing plenty of wrong on their own. Yeah. Backstage. Yeah. Um, I will say though, at least they're not putting too many shows on. No. I there is no reason uh AEW needs three shows a week. No, I mean, you don't uh, need dynamite rampage and collision. There's no reason for it. Like, I get it. You want to give other wrestlers some spotlight. And in that case, I get it. But at the same time, that's more expense. And you got to make it make sense. You got to make the stories make sense. You know, like the, the only, to me, the only story that's really rolling right now is the whole thing with Jericho and Sammy Guevara. And that's because that's been something since the beginning. But, you know, Fans don't want to see Don Callis. No, Don Callis is annoying. They didn't um, like him at Impact, and they didn't, don't like him in AEW. And I love Chris Jericho. Don't get me wrong. I love Chris Jericho. He's one of my all-time favorites. But it's time for Chris Jericho to start stepping out of the spotlight a little bit. Um, Sammy Guevara is a natural heel, so I'm happy that they're going this way. But – but you're right. Besides that, um, now now you have an injury to Adam Cole, which may be serious. Uh, there, you know, he hurt his foot, and it could be a break. We don't know. Um, so what do you do with that and uh, MJF? You know, I mean, it, it, the problem is you have an owner, Tony Khan, who has had a silver spoon in his mouth his entire life. He used his. You know, you can say what you want, but his dad definitely helped fund to get this started. He's well, a fan. I mean, yeah. And, and he's a fan. That's the problem. He doesn't know how to control his wrestlers. He doesn't know how to write good storylines. Um, I blame him as much as CM Punk for that whole fiasco. And I love CM Punk. I have a tattoo of C CM Punk's emblem on my arm. I'm a proud CM Punk fan. I've worked with the man five times. He's always been kind, nothing but kind to me. I know other people have worked with him. He's been nothing but kind to them. He has an ego, as they all do. But you as an owner, as a boss, need to learn how to control your wrestlers' egos. And Tony Khan does not know how to do that. 
And until he learns how to do that, that company will not be anything spectacular. The whole Wembley fiasco, you know, with them selling, he said, 80-something thousand tickets. It was actually he 70. He said it was the largest sold uh, paid attendance in wrestling history. And WWE could have went over there and did that. I Good mean, for them. You know what they both have in common, though? They both lie about the attendance numbers. They do. But you're not going to tell me that sold more than WrestleMania three. There's no way. No. There's no way. Um, so, you know, they can they can hang their hats on. Yeah, you had a really big payday with with this one show. Guess what? WWE does that five six times a year. You know. Well, just so, look at. I mean, look at the show they had in uh, San Juan. I mean, look at how much of a success that was. Oh, man. You and they're know, going to Australia, you know. Now that today they to Australia, Australia and, they're doing elimination chamber in Australia, like, um, and then the clash at the castle. I mean, WWE goes worldwide like it's nothing, right? Because like, it, it is nothing to them. It's it's a normal show, and those are usually the better shows. I there's it's not often I see crappy international shows by WWE except for the Saudi Arabia shows. But that's blood money, you know. Exactly. I, I, I hate those in the first place, but yeah. that's beside the point. My point being, you know, WWE does on a whim what AEW just put everything into. You know, and then having the Chicago pay-per-view a week after, that was that was a mistake. Uh, whoever told him that was a good idea, uh, hopefully they don't have a job anymore. Unless he came up with it, then he's an idiot. Um I can see him coming up with that idea, though. I, see, and, I think he's well. I, think I have the problem. Enough enough. Well, I also hate the the. I've never liked the taking the confiscating of signs and having people turn shirts inside out. I've never liked that. I think that's a poor. That's a bad form of censorship. I say, look, unless you're bringing in signs that say Kevin Sullivan murdered Benoit's family, then. Right. It, it, that's the only exception, you know, if it's really like grotesque, truly inappropriate shit, then yeah, of course you're going to, you're going to have to have it confiscated, you know, even laser pointers, confiscate that. There's no need yeah. for them. But if it's a simple sign like CM Punk or, you know, something about AEW, guess what, AEW, you dropped the ball on CM Punk and you deserve to be criticized for it. And And for them to make people tear up their signs for CM Punk or turn their shirts around. That is so hypocritical because guess what? They were still selling CM Punk crap on their website. I mean, well, yeah, they, they need the money. Yeah. So Tony Khan, uh, he's, he's a joke in my mind. He hasn't shown me. He, and trust me when AEW first started, I was a huge supporter and I still hope they do well. Don't get me wrong. I, the more I mean, nobody wants them to fail. Let's put yeah. that out there. We're not wanting AEW to fail. I, I, it's not that I don't like AEW. I do like AEW. The yeah. problem is we have seen this so many times. How many promotions are their own biggest enemy? Exactly. That's the problem. That's why, honestly, that's why the real reason WWE has reigned supreme for so long. Everyone else is their own biggest enemy. ECW went under because Paul Heyman couldn't get the proper money. WCW went under because creative was a complete just cluster in there. And money started to run out because nobody tuned in. AEW is stagnating right now because of the fact that they got a surplus of shows, talent's not happy, and the fact that Tony Khan is snorting the fun dip sugar and doesn't know what the heck's going on. Yeah. I mean, and you see it, you see it with NWA. Um them putting the title on Tyrus. And oh I, God! And, and I'm not hating on Tyrus, but when you I have, am, I can't stand Tyrus. When you have your title holder come out on Fox and say that if his kids were trans, he would basically beat it out of them. I mean, well, Tyrus is a joke of a person and a wrestler. You know, the fact I mean, that the fact that Harley Race, Ric Flair, Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk Jr. held that same title as Tyrus. I couldn't be more happy EC3 beat him. I yeah. couldn't be any more happy. It was one of the greatest nights of my life when I found out that Tyrus lost that title. Yeah. Like, I will go that far because I absolutely despise Tyrus 
as a person. And you know, Impact Wrestling the same way it could have been. And there was a time when Impact Wrestling was getting pretty big and they were their own worst enemy. You know, now uh, they have a good – the Impact product right now is pretty damn good to watch. I enjoy watching it. Um, it's just, again, they can't get the exposure that they used to have. Um, but they're, they're trying. I mean, honestly, as a product, they're one of the more consistent, uh, entertaining products out there right now. And, you know, I'm, no one's ever going to touch WWE. And I don't think AEW is trying to. Um, at least not anymore. But, you know, every time they take a shot at WWE, I'm like, why? Why? Because Triple H years ago called them a pissant company. Well, compared to WWE, they are. Right. So I can't blame him for saying that one bit. And I think it was a joke. You know, he was joking with his boys. Uh, we all know Billy Gunn's over there and Billy Gunn's boys with all them. But, but you know, people, the AEW fan, and that's the thing. Another reason I can hardly stand AEW to watch anymore is their fans are so damn hateful toward WWE. And it's like, why? Why? And, and I know you're a Cardinal fan, but it's the reason I can't root for the Cardinals. It's because... Cardinal fans have a lot of arrogance in them. They do a lot of them. Not everybody, but there's right. a big, there's, there's a, a big, big there's a lot. And you you watch them go into another city, and they take the stadium over and think they own it. No, you respect the team's stadium when you go there. And I see a lot of these Cardinal fans don't do that. And you know, I'm sorry, but St. Louis is not baseball heaven, folks. It's not. It's not. It's really where old players kind of go to die. So if you want to call that, heaven, you know, Damn. <laughs> ouch. Um, you know, but hey, that's a whole other topic. We won't even you won't you don't even get me going about the Cardinals tonight. No, um, not tonight. We'll say that for another week, though. But um, hey, they lost again today, so I'm smiling. I'm gonna say you're smiling. They lost again today, down to freaking 86 damn losses, and Lord help me on that. Can they hit 100? No, they can't. It's no. there's only nine games left. It's impossible. Well, there's only nine. They, okay. Yeah, the most they can get. So what, what is that? Ninety. Ninety-five. Yeah. So they'll hit. So okay. Worst case scenario, they go sixty-seven to ninety-five. I don't see that. I see them going. I hope they get to seventy wins. I hope they win three out of this next nine. I, I don't. I don't think I can handle less than seventy if, wins. Here's a good question though: If they would happen to lose out of these next nine, say they lose six or more. Is Marmel in danger? Marmel's already in danger. Just because they're bringing him back next year doesn't mean he's not in danger. How can they justify? Well, wait a minute. Hang on. Are we talking about in danger of his job or his life? There is a difference. Job, job not his life. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some Cardinal fans that are that crazy about him. They probably. I mean, just remember when Don Deckinger's number got leaked. I mean, somebody went on the radio and he had to get FBI protection. Kind of like the guy at Colorado State, but that's beside the point. Um, anyway, uh, that's what you get when you cheap shot players. Okay. Yeah. No, nobody deserves that. Anyway, my point being, um, look, I think Ollie's going to come back, or he's going to come back. He's on the hot seat already. He's on the hot seat next year. If they don't make the playoffs next year, Marmel will not be back as manager in 2025. That's that's how I'd put it. I, that's what I'm thinking. I don't think he lasts next year. I don't see Whether how they do good or bad. I don't see how things get better with him and Mosaic still running the show. You could I have, think there's a chance Mo might not stick around at this point. He can't. You could have – Otani on the team. You could have Mike Trout on the team. You you could have you know uh, the the Cy Young winning pitcher on that team with those two clowns in charge. They wouldn't win more than seventy five games. All right, I'm gonna ask you one question before we go to the NFL. Yeah. All right. So this is Cardinal baseball related, oh, and I really am curious about this because I know how you feel about the Cardinals. Are the St. Louis Cardinals? The Anaheim Angels of the National League. I'm going to say no because okay, Anaheim, Anaheim has been bad for so long. And every year it's like Anaheim's going to win the division. Anaheim's going to do this. Anaheim's going to do that. And every year they fail miserably. 
at least the Cardinals squeak into the playoffs and they give their fans false hope, you know. Uh, trust me, guys, it's better. Listen, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off. At least they did it quick and early now. So in well, two- April, yeah, honestly, yeah. I think it was June when I kind of said to myself, yeah, this is this ain't going to be the year. No. Like, I, I think it was around June, at the latest July. I did not go into August thinking, hey, we're going to make the playoffs now. No, I knew. Was, I, I just – because the team was injury-riddled. They still are, but it's the end of the year now, so who gives a damn? But right. they were injury-riddled. Everyone's ERAs were sky high. They just traded away Montgomery and Hicks, you know, and they made some other trades. You know, like – they were clearly building for next year and beyond. Right. Which is okay. Look, it's okay to say, you know what? This season kind of sucked. So, like, sometimes you just got to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, folks, thank you so much. You are tuning in to Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media. I am the maestro, Jeremy Carp, alongside the good Dr. J.M. Housewright. And, folks... It is now time we shift gears to the National Football League. And after a heartbreaking, depressing, and just awe-inspiring cluster, you know what, of a week two, in my book at least, uh, (laughs) full of sadness, pain, injuries, a fantasy football loss, and all the above, we now are underway in week three is currently the uh, San Francisco 49ers are taking on the New York Giants as we speak. And right now it is three to three um, in the second quarter. Um, but heading into week three, the good doctor has himself his power rankings as we are here to do every week. So with that, the floor is yours, my friend, as we present the good doctor's NFL power rankings. All right. So um, after a crazy week two, the rankings have changed a little bit. Uh, Number 10, I got the Atlanta Falcons, Uh, the Dirty Birds, 2-0. And, hey, I'm surprised. Um, I don't think they can keep it up. But in that NFC South, it looks like it's going to be them in New Orleans fighting it out. Um, B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier, they're carrying the load, guys. They've run Atlanta has run the ball more than 56% of the time offensively. Um, if they can't pass the ball, I don't believe they can keep this up. But hey, right now they're at, at number 10 at 2 0. So good on Atlanta. Number nine, I'm keeping Detroit in the top 10. I got Detroit one and one. Listen, Sunday's loss to Seattle was not as bad as it seems. Um, Seattle always plays Detroit tough. I think the last couple of years they've had massive shootouts. And it was, again, the same this last week. Um, and the good thing for the Lions is the rest of their division lost as well. So hopefully Detroit didn't play their Super Bowl against Kansas City and then sucked the rest of the year. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I still think they're going to be a good NFC team. Um, they just had a tough loss to Seattle. Number eight, the New Orleans Saints at 2-0. and uh, Yeah, two games, two wins. Monday night wasn't a pretty game, but Derek Carr got the job done for the Saints. And just as I predicted, I think the Saints are going to be pretty decent this year. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Um, I know he was a Raider. That's why I didn't like him. But I always thought he had the talent to lead a team to the playoffs. And uh, be ready. If they can get through the next two weeks with, you know, maybe going one and one, uh, Alvin Kamara comes back after week four. And then we're going to see what the Saints are really made of. So they're my number eight. Uh, number seven, the Jaguars, one and one. Listen, Jacksonville put up a hell of a fight against Kansas City this week. Um, they they had multiple opportunities to win that game. Kansas City's defense just came up big. But Jacksonville showed a lot of fight. They showed their defense is legit, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. Um, Jacksonville's defense, I think, is probably top five in all of the NFL. So I expect big things still from Jacksonville. They're my number seven. At number six, I got the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are playing awfully well right now. This team, I hate to say it, is for real. Lamar Jackson's playing well, especially with the return of tight end Mark Andrews. Um, The defense, 
is only allowing 23 points in the first – has only allowed 23 points in the first quarter this season. Uh, as much as it pains me to say, I think the Ravens are a legit contender in the AFC conference. Uh, number five, Miami Dolphins, 2-0. and Dolphins are 2-0, and and they're riding high after back-to-back road wins. I'm sure Tua would love to play the Patriots every week because he dominates them. Um, listen, him and Tyreek are playing well together. Tyreek's becoming a fantasy monster once again. Um, Miami's a legit 2-0, so the AFC East better be prepared. Uh, number four, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm keeping them at number four. They're 1-1. One one. Uh, they were four last week. They got a big win in a hot Jacksonville game this past week. Listen, the Chiefs didn't play great football. They had, I think, 13 penalties, three turnovers, but they still won the game against a good team in that team stadium. That is a sign of a good team. The Chiefs are going to be fine. Kelsey's getting healthy. And Chris Jones, my gosh, made the difference. Um, I did not expect him to make that big of a difference last week, and he sure did. He is showing that he is worth every bit of the money he wants. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to franchise him. Uh, we'll see what happens. They're they're you know messing around with contracts now with Mahomes and uh, I know a couple O linemen. So maybe they will have the money to pay Chris Jones. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, listen, if if you have a defensive player in fantasy football, I would take Chris Jones because. He is going to dominate this year. In fact, I I definitely think he's going to be a contender for defensive player of the year, even though he missed the first game. Uh, my God, he was an animal on Sunday. Uh, number three, Philadelphia Eagles, 2-0. And, and these top three guys, you could really interchange any one of them at 3-2-1. and one. Um, I put Philly at three, you know, and I think I'm going to take some heat for that. I know they're the defending NFC champs. Uh, and they run their first two games on the road. So that that's a big thing. And here's here's something to watch for, though. Philly's got a really soft schedule the next few weeks. Um, they could very well be 8-0 heading into a Week 9 matchup with Dallas. So that's definitely something to watch there. Um, number two, 49ers, 2-0. Um, and, again, they could easily be number one. Um, and they probably should be, honestly. I, I could definitely make an argument for them being number one. Uh, again, they opened up two games on the road, won both games. And again, they will likely be 4-0 heading into a week five contest with the Cowboys on Sunday night. So be be watching for that. Now, number one is the Dallas Cowboys. And some unfortunate news broke today on Dallas, so I'm going to get to that in a minute. But uh, Dallas, man, that defense is for real. And I know they've beat both New York teams you know, it is what it is, but hey, they're two and oh, they're disposing of teams with ease. Um, I firmly believe that if everything works out, this could be the year for the Cowboys, finally. All right. I know some of you probably weren't even born last time they were in a Super Bowl, but this could be the year for them. Um, listen, they take care of the football with Dak, and that defense goes out and dominates. Uh, Dallas is going to be a okay as long as Mike McCarthy doesn't make any dumb calls, which that's a big if. Uh, but I firmly believe America's team could be heading for the promised land this season. Um, now, as I said, unfortunate news today, uh, Trayvon Diggs, one of their star defensive players, uh, is out for the year. Uh, tore his ACL, I believe, in practice. So that's going to be a bit of a uh, problem for Dallas to overcome. I think they can do it. They have a pretty deep defense. Um, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. But uh, those are my top ten for the week. All righty. Well, I appreciate it, JM. You know what's interesting? You mentioned about the Cowboys. So I was actually a year old. Well, not even a full year old. The last time the Cowboys appeared in the Super Bowl. It was uh, January 28th, I believe, 1996. It was Super Bowl 30 when the Cowboys beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, which – Look, I may not like the Cowboys a whole lot, but if I was alive then, I'd be cheering like crazy because they beat the Steelers. So who am I to? You know, I'm uh, yeah, I'm not a Cowboys fan either. I mean, I think they're a hell of a team this I, year. I feel like if Jerry Jones didn't own the team, I would be a lot bigger of a fan. I feel like a lot of it is just because I cannot stand Jerry Jones, and yeah. 
a lot of what he's done in the NFL. So um, most Cowboys fans surprisingly don't like Jerry Jones either. They, yeah, well, especially when you've missed the Super Bowl for this long. I mean, you haven't even sniffed it, like, no. you know, except for a couple, you know, championship game appearances. Then again, the Niners haven't since the game against the Ravens. So, you know, um, yeah, the, Niners lost. the Chiefs, yeah, to the Chiefs, yeah. I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty solid rankings. Like I said, some teams you said last week, some teams could sneak in there and drop off and. It was interesting seeing the Saints in there. That was an interesting uh, surprise. I think that whole division, who we all touted was going to be the worst this year, surprisingly, um, had a lot of people's eyes on. Because even the Panthers, who started 0-2, they're not bad. They're what you expect out of a team with a rookie quarterback. And he's out now. And he's out now, so it might be red rifle time bringing in uh, Andy Dalton back. So maybe now we're kind of getting to what we expect. Seeing how your your Browns, I know they signed Kareem Hunt, so that's they brought back Kareem Hunt. So him and Jerome Ford are gonna hold down the fort while Nick Chubb prayers up uh, season-ending knee injury. And you know what? I think now that my post Monday night pain, anger, depression has settled. In a league where they don't let you go high, and I don't mean get high like Josh Gordon high, I just mean go high to hit a player, you know, you almost force them to go low. Do I feel that Nick Chubb was already in the process of going down when Minka Fitzpatrick hit him? Yes. Now, do I think his hit is something that he needs to get suspended over or fine? No, I really don't. Like... It was a legal hit. And kudos to the broadcast um, on ABC for not showing the replay. Yeah. Because we all seen pictures and we saw the videos and it's as gruesome as it gets. I'm not showing it on air. So it's ugh, it's unpleasant. Um, but unfo- And unfortunately, it is the name of the game. It's football. Um, I personally believe Chubb will be back. You know, um, I think Chubb will come back from it next year. Um, I know not this year. I'm not saying he's coming back. He's done this year. That's two injuries over that knee. It's two injuries to that knee. But I feel I have the utmost faith that he's going to come back. I do think I felt it made the most sense for them to re-sign Kareem Hunt. Yeah, He's a native of the metro area. He's been on the Browns the past four years, but they let him walk this year to explore other teams. I mean, he knows the the system hasn't changed. And also, look, this team is still a deep playoff contender because they have a top three defense right now. They are ranked top three all across the board. The offense has allowed more touchdowns than the defense has this year. Right. So if anything, you know, Jim Schwartz, huge saving grace for this team. Um, defense right now is playing phenomenal. You just got to get in. And when Deshaun Watson is on, he's on. It's just when it's just not been enough of that. Whereas Patrick Mahomes has been on all the time. He just hardly has anybody to throw to besides Travis Kelsey. I have to question how many of them teammates really like Deshaun Watson. Um, I've been reading things out of Cleveland. He is not well liked. Um, if they struggle this year, do they keep him around? Because listen, he is, he's a magnet for turmoil and distraction. Um, I don't know why they did not do more homework and maybe they knew and they signed him anyway. I don't know. I mean, I say, look, the Saints went after him, knowing everything. The Falcons went after him, knowing everything. It's just the case of Cleveland was the team that ended up getting him. And, you know, I also look at it as Cleveland has an insurance policy. It's called Dorian Thompson Robinson. You know, a fifth year or fifth round pick, rookie star quarterback at, out of college. And, you know, he shined and impressed a lot of people in preseason. And I feel, you know, him already being named the backup is their way of saying, look, if Watson goes down because of injury or continued terrible performance, Cleveland has their way. Like, they, they, they are willing to sit on the contract 
but not the bad performances. Like, because you can, they still, because this is what they're doing. They're restructuring every year so they continually have the most cap space in the NFL. Yeah. Like, they're playing the cap system, and they are, I'm giving them mad genius credit because they're actually doing stuff I could not imagine. Um, But they're making it work to where they have the most cap space, and they're the ones that just paid $200-plus million guaranteed to a quarterback. And they still have the most cap space. Now, come on. Broncos can't say that. Bengals can't say that. Giants can't say that. Um, So they're playing chess, not checkers. But at the same time, you can only play chess for so long until it's checkmate. Right. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Meanwhile, our one last update on the game. It is now 10-3. to Brock Purdy threw a touchdown pass. To whom I do not know at the moment. I just know it was not George Kittle, and that breaks my heart for fantasy purposes. Um, with that, we are going to wrap it up this evening here on Roundabout Sports. I want to thank the good Dr. JM, as always, for being on. I'm looking forward to next week, and we will be back on for on a Wednesday, um, unless in case of emergency or something else coming up. Um, also... We always put at the end of the show about the NAMI Healthline, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. You can call it at 1-800-950-NAMI. That is 1-800-950-NAMI. Also, we put up the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline um, at the end, and make sure for that you dial 988. The line is open 24-7, 365, 366 on leap years. Understand that you are never alone in this world. Um, There's always somebody out there that loves you, that cares about you. Uh, Mental illness is, and mental health is very important and needs to be talked about more and advocated for more in this world. Um, So, you know, you're always just a phone call away. And you out there could also be the listening ears for somebody else who's in desperate need to be talked or listened to. So once again, folks, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in this evening to Roundabout Sports. He's the good Dr. JM. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp. And remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night, everybody.